This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we continue on in James with Let Him Ask God, Temptation's Path, The Implanted Word, No Partiality, and The Royal Law. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Now pay close attention, little children. It's somebody you ought to know. Yeah, it's all about a man that walked on earth nearly 2,000 years ago. Well, he healed the sick. We usually associate the early chapters of Luke's gospel with the birth of Jesus, but there is another prior nativity story told there in Luke chapter 1, and that is the birth of Christ's forerunner, John the Baptist. Why is it first, and why does Luke devote so much material, even a song sung by Zacharias at the child's birth, why does he devote so much material to John the Baptist? Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. It's time to teach a Sunday school lesson on the birth of John the Baptist. Pastor Tom Baker joins us. He's host of a radio show called Law and Gospel for almost 30 years. He met monthly to prepare his Sunday school teachers for the classroom. Tom, welcome back. Uh, Thank you. Why is John the Baptist's birth important? His birth is very important because it's not only prophesied in the Old Testament, but Jesus is coming and the people need to be prepared for his coming. If you take a look at the Sunday School lesson put out by Concordia Publishing House, Enduring Faith, I think one of the most important statements is the following. To the students, point out that if you don't realize that you need a savior, you won't realize what a big deal it is to have one. Now, what are they talking about? Why do people need to realize that they need a savior? because he is the savior to forgive your sins. And that was the work of John the baptizer. He had come with the baptism of repentance, which meant that he would tell people the worldly lost and their own flesh that made them love their personal views rather than the message from God. And so he preached repentance, and that was the preparation for the coming of Jesus, who was going to preach the forgiveness of sins. That's all mentioned, by the way, in our readings for this coming Sunday. In the gospel, there are three items the baptism of Jesus by John the baptizer, and the father saying, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. The second event is the spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan for 40 days. And the third item, after John the baptizer is arrested by Herod, 
Jesus goes into Galilee proclaiming this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The work of repentance was a mission of John the baptizer to prepare the way for Jesus. And that is really the whole purpose of John the baptizer. We're told that Zacharias and Elizabeth are righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. What does that mean? That can refer to three parts of the law. There's the civil part, and I'm sure they were obeying that, giving taxes when they had to, and following civil laws. The second part is the ceremonial. And they were obviously following the ceremonial because Zacharias was at the temple. As the Bible says, he was there to do what he was supposed to do, namely his mission in the temple to get people to be prepared for the coming of the Savior and offering incense for them. And during that time, that was a ceremonial law, and Zacharias was following it. The moral laws, I'm sure he was following outwardly, but as we're going to see, Zacharias was still a sinner, as was going to occur. So they were following the ceremonial and, to a degree, the moral laws but all of them were also still sinners under the law, even though they were righteous before God, following the outward commandments as best as they could. Tell us about the angel's visit to Zacharias. The angel, who later refers to herself in verse 19 of chapter 1, He says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And what is the good news? Well, that is found earlier where the angel tells him that he will and Elizabeth have a son and their prayer has been heard, even though they're both way past childbearing age. But Elizabeth will bear you a son. You shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and the many will rejoice at his birth. He will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before the birth of himself. And he will turn many from the children of Israel to the Lord their God. In other words, to get them to repent of their sins. He will be like the spirit 
and power of Elijah, another Old Testament prophet, to turn the people, the father to their children, and the disobedience to the wisdom of the just. Why? To make ready for the Lord, preparing the people. And the way you prepare the people when a savior is coming is to give them the reasons why they need a savior and the forgiveness of sins to get rid of their sins and have their sins paid for. What is the significance of John's name? Yes, the name John itself is from the Hebrew word Yohanan, and it means graced by God. In other words, just as Mary was favored by God, not because she was holy and sinless, but because he favored her to be the mother of God. So also Zechariah was graced by God, giving that which he did not deserve. That's what the word grace means. And what he did not deserve was a child at his age who would be a messenger from God another prophet filled with the Holy Spirit to lead people out of their sins into the forgiveness of the Holy Christian Church. How does Zacharias respond to the angel's message? Well, he first of all had fear. And as with most angels' visits to the shepherds, later to Mary and to Joseph, they begin by, fear not, because I have come to bring you good news from God himself. But it is really difficult to believe on the part of Zechariah that he and his wife is going to have a child. How are they going to have a child? She's way past childbearing age. He's older also. In fact, the Bible says that specifically, that both of them were advanced in years, verse 7 of chapter 1. So guess what? He doesn't believe the angel. He says, boy, I'm too old, and my wife is advanced in years. So how is this going to possibly happen? And so the angel tells him that because he doubted the word of God, that the angel was speaking from God himself, because he did not believe, he will be mute, which means he will not be able to speak until the day that these things take place, namely the birth of John the baptizer. How was Zacharias' response different from that of the Virgin Mary's when the same angel visited her? Yes, when the angel visits her, she says, or asks the question, how will this occur? Because she does not yet know a man. 
She is not doubting what the angel is saying. She's just simply asking, how will this occur? Is there something that she needs to do? But no, the angel says, the Holy Spirit will conceive you and you will be begotten for nothing will be impossible with God. Now, when Mary hears that, she responds in verse 38, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And Gabriel left her, but it shows her faith given to her by the Holy Spirit. She believed just like Zechariah unbelieved. He couldn't believe that they were gonna have a child. They were too old, that was an excuse. But she made no excuse, just wanted to know how it was going to be done and believed it would be done and agreed to be a servant of the Lord according to his word. And that's really what God the Father said to the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. Listen to him. And that's what Mary did by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the goal of the Sunday school teacher to get the people, the students to realize that they too can believe what the Bible says, even though it may sound impossible to them, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, they can agree what Jesus has to say to them. And so Zachariah is a bad example, and Mary is a great example of the believer in Jesus Christ. Pastor Tom Baker is leading us in a Sunday School lesson on the birth of John the Baptist. You're connected to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Happy birthday to LCMS Ministry to the Armed Forces. The Armed Forces Commission was organized on this date in 1936. LCMS Ministry to the Armed Forces supports all Lutheran Church Missouri Synod chaplains who serve on active duty in the reserves, the National Guard, Civil Air Patrol, and the Coast Guard Auxiliary. Find out about their service at lcms.org slash armed forces, lcms.org slash armed forces. On the other side, how does the birth of John the Baptist take place? What does it mean to inwardly digest God's Word? Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column in the latest Issues Etc. journal. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. John Warwick Montgomery tells his story of finding confessional Lutheranism to be the most scripturally faithful theology. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. 
By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. Real Reformation Radio, you're listening to Issues Etc. St. Mark Lutheran Church in Waco, Texas is proud to support Issues Etc. Join us for worship and Bible study. If you're in Waco for business, college, traveling through the city, looking for a great place to retire, or searching for a church to receive Jesus' love and forgiveness, then visit St. Mark, a century-old Christ-centered Lutheran congregation in the heart of Waco, very near the silos. The Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. Visit us at stmarkwaco.com. back to Issues Etc. on this Tuesday, February the 13th. We're teaching a Sunday school lesson on the birth of John the Baptist with Pastor Tom Baker. Tom, how does John's birth take place? The birth of John takes place nine months later. In fact, Elizabeth becomes pregnant after Zachariah leaves the temple, but she keeps it hidden, her pregnancy for four months because she wants to be sure that she's going to have a child. And at nine months, the baby is born. And during that birth, they ask Zachariah, what is his name? Now they all expect Zachariah to say, well, his name will be Zachariah because normally the firstborn of a Jewish marriage and birth is referred to if he is a son with the father's name. But Zachariah's wife, Elizabeth, tells them, no, his name will be John. And of course, they don't know that. How can that be true? So they infer from Zechariah what will be his name. And what he does, he writes notes on a writing tablet. A writing tablet, well, it's a kind of a board and it's covered with wax. And then there is a stylus similar to our pens and they are used to write letters in the wax. And at nine months, when he is unable to speak, he writes, Zachariah does, the wax, and he writes the name John. And so that's what the name is called when he is circumcised on the eighth day as the angel Gabriel told him to write. Well, what I find something interesting is this is written by Luke that we're reading from, but there's also a reading from Mark. And I find the reading from Mark interesting also about John the baptizer because Mark's full name is Mark John. 
And he writes also that Zachariah says his name should be John, the second name of Mark. And so that's how the birth takes place and the circumcision. When Zacharias is able to speak again, what does he say about the child? Well, he gives a blessing very similar to Mary's song of praise in the earlier part of the chapter. But this blessing says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has visited and redeemed his people and raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. Similar language to Mary's, referring to Jesus, who will be of the house of David, from the lineage of David, an ancestor of David. And he will save his people from their enemies. In fact, I think verse 77 is the most important verse of what Zechariah has to say. To give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Why? Because of the tender mercy of our God. So the mercy, unlike the grace that gives you what you don't deserve, the mercy keeps you from getting what you do deserve, namely eternal punishment. And that mercy is given to those who are sitting in darkness in the shadow of death and are guided out in order that they may go into the way of peace, which does occur by the gift of the Holy Spirit who brings them into a life of righteousness as they are given faith and trust in the promises of God. And that's what saved Zechariah. He was forgiven his sin as he recognized it and repented of it. That's why Mary says that Jesus is her savior because she realizes her sins have been forgiven. And that's what every Christian will benefit from, namely the birth, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus, namely his annunciation, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his exaltation into heaven. That's what Luke really talks about, almost more than what Jesus spoke of. That's what Mark talks about. But Luke tells more about what he did, and that's why he is our Savior, because he did for us what we are unable to do for us, as he did for Zachariah, giving him and his wife Elizabeth a child later in age, and giving Mary 
the birth of the Son of God through the conception of the Holy Spirit. And that's what he gives to us. He gives us the miracle of faith to trust the promises of Jesus Christ as found in the Bible. So we obey the words of the Father at the message of him on the mountain. Listen to him. And that's what Christian children and adults do as they grow in their ears, prepared by God himself during this coming season of Lent for the coming of the Holy Savior. What is John the Baptist's message today? God's message today is the same as it was in the day that he spoke it. Repent of your sins. Be aware that you fall short of the glory of God because you were born with original sin. Fight against the devil. And that's why a mighty fortress is our God is the hymn for this coming Sunday, the first Sunday in Lent. As even though it's taken from chapter 46 of the Psalms, it mentions a lot of our fight against the devil, who is not mentioned in Psalm 46, but obviously is part of our problem in obeying the world, the flesh, and the devil rather than the Holy Spirit. So the children should remember their baptism, whereby they were given not only the gift of the Holy Spirit, but as Zechariah promises, they were also given the gift of the forgiveness of their sins, so that God no longer holds them accountable for their sins as he held his own son accountable by placing him on the cross, raising him from the dead, and having ascend to heaven to sit at his right hand in full majesty, glory, and divinity. So we will be with him forever and ever in heaven. That's the message of John the baptizer. What is the long gospel of this lesson? The law of this lesson is that we often don't want to listen to the messengers from God. We are often like our first parents, Adam and Eve, and desire to fall sin because we think it's more enjoyable and more helpful, but the devil is lying to us. The gospel is that the messengers of God, like John the baptizer, our pastors and our parents and our Sunday school teachers, the good news is they proclaim that good news and point us to Jesus, the Lamb of God, who does the greatest gift that we can ever receive, which is the forgiveness of our sins and heaven as our home eternally 
with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Pastor Tom Baker is host of a radio show called Law and Gospel. For almost 30 years, he met monthly to prepare his Sunday school teachers for the classroom. Folks, Pastor Baker mentioned the Sunday school curriculum called Enduring Faith. You can receive a free sample by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040 or find out more about Enduring Faith at cph.org. Tom, thanks. Thank you. In Hour 2 of Issues Etc., Dr. Michael New joins us from the Charlotte Lozier Institute. We'll talk about a journal retracting three studies showing the health risks of chemical abortion and a report on the increase of Texas's fertility rate. Then we'll discuss de-churching in America with Michael Graham. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. The Third Commandment teaches us to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We do this when we hold God's Word sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Jesus invites the weak and heavy laden to rest in Him, our true rest, because His yoke is easy and His burden is light. This weekend, rest in Jesus as you hear His Word and receive His gifts. If you are in Southern Illinois, you're invited to join Trinity Lutheran Church in Milstadt to rest in the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Learn more at trinitymilstadt.org.